Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Let's give this band just another round of applause this morning. Let's worship. What up? You know, as we think about coming together this morning and taking the Lord's Supper together and just sharing in communion, what a incredible blessing it is and what a what a wonderful just set of songs that we uh, have sung this morning and as we go into this uh, just time of opening the word of God I'm reminded that the gospel is all about what Jesus has done and we come this morning uh, grateful uh, for all that he has done for uh, his goodness for his mercy for uh, the redemption that we have in Christ and we're going to lean in and look this morning at the gospel I'm reminded that Jesus gave us this gift of communion. It was a picture uh, that we would have. It was something that we would have. And he gave these instructions. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, when I think about that word remember, uh, I'm reminded of kind of the opposite of that because it seems like so much, so much of my life, I'm forgetting things. So many things through the week. I'm like, I don't know what I did with that. I don't know where I put that. I don't know things about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes there's things that I think I should remember. Like I'll run into somebody at Walmart and, and I'll be walking through there and they'll be like, hey, Jason, so good to see you. And I'm like, hey, brother. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to see you. I have no, in my mind, like my mind's going, I know I, I know you. From where? I don't know. And. And I'm kind of a Mac guy, kind of an Apple guy, so I think my mind's got like a Windows computer in it, and it's like, yeah, boo, I know, I know. It's all right. It's all right. We're praying for you guys. So anyway, and so, so yeah, it's like processing. And I don't know about your mind, but mine works crazy ways. Like, I'm so thankful for the church directory like we're making. And today, at the end of service, like if you hadn't had your picture made, like, Go get your picture made. It's like super fast. They make you look good. Uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm amazed like uh, it's, it's how quick that can happen. So go up there, do that. Uh, we want to be able to just connect names, faces. We want you to be able to connect names and faces. So in Walmart, you're not running into people going, who is that? And at least when you get home, you can look and go, oh, that's who that was. Right? That's kind of what we're thinking. And so, But what happens in my brain is like I've been looking. Uh, I, I, I see that person. And then throughout the whole day, my brain's going, who is that? Does that happen to anybody? And then I go to bed, right? And it's happening in the subconscious. And so like at, at 2.59 a.m., my brain will go, wake up, wake up, wake up. Johnny, it was Johnny. <laughs> and I'm so mad at myself at that time. I'm like, could you not wait three more hours? What are you doing? This is, I didn't need to know that right now, right? And, and for me, once my brain gets going, it's, I've got to write something down. I've got to get it out of my brain or my brain can't stop, right? And that's kind of the way that my brain uh, works along the way. Now, now pictures have a way of doing something. Sometimes we think we've forgotten something, but we'll see a picture. And when we see that picture, all of a sudden our minds are flooded with memories, right? Our minds are doing that yesterday uh, because my mind was kind of going this direction. I decided to go there with the picture. And so Sherry and I were talking and in December, I I know I look way too young for this, but we will have been married 25 years. Yeah, we got married. She's Yes, you should clap for her. I'll make sure she watches this later because like, like we got married 25 years ago. She was eight and I was nine. And so, 
you know, but I was thinking about that, and I, and I was just excited, you know, thinking about 25th anniversary, we're going to have those things, and so I pulled up a picture, right, this is our wedding day, you can see this on the screen, uh, and it brought back all kind of memories, you know, she still looks exactly the same, it brought back all kind of memories, I was thinking about that day, I was thinking about that week, I was thinking about all the fun, I was just thinking about all the good things about being married, right, and then I was thinking about hair, Yeah, I remembered it. I'd forgotten all about that when I had it. And I remembered I had it when I needed it. And I was like, thank you, Lord. That worked out really good uh, for me in those moments. But pictures have a way of bringing up memories. They have a way of causing us to reflect on things. And this morning, as we open up the Word of God, um, God's given us this gift to remember His sacrifice. And when we, when we see that word remembrance, when we see that word that that we would see Jesus do this in remembrance of me. It's, it's not just simply a word that's like just bringing something to a thought, but it's this, this reflection that he desires for us to, to have, this, this, this picture of us recapturing the significance and the meaning of this moment. It's this, this picture of pondering a memory, of really just soaking that in. And so today, as we take communion, here's what we're going to do, and this is what we do every time when we take the Lord's Supper, right? We, uh, we, we remember the past. We remember what Jesus has done on the cross. We reflect on the present. So we're going to examine ourselves. We're going to think about ourselves. We're going to think about our present uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to rejoice in the promise of his return, right? We're going to rejoice in knowing that the best is yet to come, right? And for followers of Jesus Christ, we can be confident in that. We're going to open the word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, one of the most powerful uh, chapters in all the scriptures, a chapter that teaches us so much about the doctrine of the resurrection, a, a passage that Paul is going to lean into here. And for uh, these, these believers at Corinth, there were some of those that had begun to doubt uh, the reality of the resurrection. Now, these Greeks, they were philosophers, and so they had reasoned, and they were reasoning and saying, hey, uh, the reality of the resurrection is just impossible for the human body to be resurrected. That's what they'd reasoned uh, in their mind. Some of them had begun to believe those kind of things. And Paul begins to address this, the, the, the implications of what it would be like if Jesus had not raised from the grave, right? And he begins, and we're going we're gonna to read verse 1 and, and kind of following in a minute. But, but if we look at this, as long about verse uh, 14, uh, you're going to see that Paul says, hey, uh, the preaching that, that we do is useless. Like if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, us gathering in here this morning, it's useless. It means nothing. If He's going to say, listen, verse uh, 14, verse 17, he's going to say, your faith is useless. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then it's useless. Your sins are not forgiven, verse 17, and, and that Christians that have died, they are lost forever. He says, if, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then you are to be pitied. That's what the scripture says. Look at, at verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, then we are of all men to be most pitied. You'd be better off at Walmart getting your groceries done early is what he's saying. You'd be better off spending your Sunday mornings getting ready for the lake or doing anything else because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then all this is meaningless. Your faith is useless. Your preaching is useless. There's nothing uh, that is significant of anything. But then in verse 20, he, he says this, but Jesus rose from the grave. And the rest of the chapter, he says, and because of that, we rejoice. And there is victory. And we're going to look at some of those things this morning. <clears throat> he says, listen, this, this is one of those passages where he says, if Jesus rose from the grave, then your labor is not in vain. 
Those of you that got up early to serve here this morning, the band that, that rehearsed on a Thursday night and then came this morning early and then lifted their voices to the Lord, they're saying that your labor is not in vain. Those of you that were in the parking lot this morning welcoming guests as they came in, those of you that were in the doors or an usher or those that serve in the kitchen or those that are upstairs rocking those little babies, right? And we're going to see in this chapter, I'm thinking about putting a verse from this chapter on the nursery uh, door. Uh, it says that... Uh, now, I'll save it for when we get there. It's going to be good. So we'll just save it. You can just anticipate uh, that verse. It's out of 1 Corinthians 15. It's going to be great. And so listen, but they're not laboring in vain, right? When they're teaching those kids about the gospel, that, that labor is not in vain. Let's jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, beginning in verse 1. We'll see how far we can get. Scripture says this. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, this word gospel, right, is the, it is a word that means good news, right? It's a word that we love to hear. And he says, you receive the gospel, you stand in the gospel. He says, you are saved by the gospel. And I want to remind you this morning as we sung that we worship and we celebrate what Jesus has done. The gospel is all about what Jesus did. It is the good news of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And it is what we rejoice in. It is the reason uh, that we stand. And it was the reason for rejoicing, and it was the fact uh, that they were standing. Well, the Apostle Paul saying, listen, the fact that you were standing, the fact that you were holding fast, it is evidence of your embrace of genuine faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I remind you this morning that when we gather today, we take communion as followers of Jesus Christ, and we're going to look this morning. God desires that we might know. The scripture says in 1 John that he has written these things that we might know that we have eternal life. God desires, that, and, and he has given us the, the ability through his word, that, that when we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we can know that we have eternal life. He desires that we know. 1 John uh, chapter number 5. We read in verse 11, he says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. It is only through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Verse 12, he says, He who has the Son has the life. He says, He who has the Son has the life, and he who has not the Son. Right? He says, He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things, verse 13, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I want to remind you this morning that endurance is the evidence of our salvation. When we read that verse in verse 13, he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. How do we know that we have eternal life? Like he didn't, he didn't say, I've written to you who believe because you prayed a prayer at some point in your life. He didn't write those kind of things. Now, I want to remind you this morning that there's, there's many people throughout our nation. A Barna study says that the majority of people in our nation have repeated a sinner's prayer at some point in their life, right? And, and I want to remind you that this morning, there's a great percentage of those that are never in church that have no visible uh, display of a relationship with Jesus Christ that have worldly lifestyles. And I want you to know that, that 
that, that the gospel did not say, hey, listen, you just live however you want. The, the expectation of followers of Jesus Christ is there was a moment in time where they repented of their sin and surrendered their life to Christ. And it began a lifetime of continual repentance and following of Jesus. Endurance is the evidence of our salvation. And when, when, the, uh, when John wrote in 1 John, he said, listen, I've written these things to those who believe. It was present tense. And, and he was concerned in those moments, right, uh, about the present condition, our present posture before Jesus Christ, right? Not just simply, hey, uh, the reason I'm standing before God is because I remember praying a prayer in the past. And don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. That can be a beautiful thing. And, and we need help. But I'm thankful that God has given us the ability to say, you know what? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To recognize that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I'm going to remind you this morning as we look to the resurrection. The resurrection is an essential piece of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means he's in charge and not me. And we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And I want to remind you this morning that many times as part of our conversion, we have called on the name of the Lord, and that's a beautiful thing. But I want to tell you something. A prayer doesn't save anybody. Jesus saves people, and it's a reflection of the condition of our heart as we approach the very throne of God in repentance and surrender that we are converted. And in 1 John, he says, I have written these things to those who believe. And he says, I want to know about your present posture in Jesus. He says, the, the evidence of an authentic relationship with Jesus is that you still have a relationship with Jesus, that you are still pursuing him, that you are still walking in, in, in fellowship with him. Listen, I got married 25 years ago, right? And, and I didn't get that picture out this morning. Uh, I mean, that picture was great. It was fun for me to look at, but I didn't get that picture out this morning to, to, to see if I was married. Like, I think I was. It's been 25 years. I forget. Easy. Let me look. Oh, yeah, there's the picture. I was married. No, I woke up right beside that beautiful lady, right? We, we, we ate dinner together last night. We spent time together. I have a relationship with her. We reflect, right, when we take communion on the present. And God desires that we have an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And, and it's evidence of our salvation. In, in the book of James, James wrote, uh, the brother of Jesus, we're going to see him make this book too. And he wrote, he said, listen, faith without works is dead, right? He said, there's going to be evidence of our salvation in the way that our lives have been changed by the grace of God. Second Corinthians 5, we read it this week in the reading plan. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're here this morning and there's been no change, I want you to understand that there is no Christ, according to the Scriptures, that the God of heaven, when he takes up residence inside our soul, right, that, that he changes us from the inside out in the power of the Spirit of God. We live lives for the glory of God. We reflect on the present. Verse 3, he says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He says, I delivered you of first importance. It said it was the most important thing. Not necessarily the first thing that he shared. He, didn't, he, didn't, he probably said, like, hi, my name's Paul. You know, but I mean, but he said, I delivered to you of what was first importance. The most important thing. He said, that's what I delivered to you. And he said, what I delivered to you is what I received. And, and I want to remind you this morning that if you've received the gift of salvation, if you've received the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is meant to be shared. 
right? I, I look back and, and I see Kelly and Ethan and they got like a wedding coming up just like really, really soon. And when, uh, when she said yes, like it wasn't very long, right? It was good news. It had to be shared. Like it's on social media, right? It's like, she said yes. I don't remember it's exactly what it was. You should be proud, dude. She's amazing. And so like we love her, right? Everybody, we, we love our staff. It's awesome. And so, but he's like, it, she said yes. It's amazing. We're engaged. It's good news. But here's the thing. If it's a first, first most importance in our life, if if the gospel is really all that, and we have, have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the evidence of it being of first importance in our life should be that we are sharing that good news. And if we go all week, if we go all month, and, and what statistics would say is that some Christians go their whole life without ever sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to be people who reflect the grace that has been extended to us. He said, I, he said the good news is to be shared. It's first importance. See, the gospel is the heart of the Bible. Uh, A guy named Dave Harvey wrote a book, and in it he says, everything in scripture, I love this quote, he said, everything in scripture is either preparation for the gospel, presentation of the gospel, or participation in the gospel. And Paul says, listen, I delivered to you of utmost importance that Jesus died for our sins. Can I remind you this morning that Jesus had no sin. One of the greatest verses in all the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It's a gospel right in a nutshell. And it says, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God, right? That, that Jesus, he had no sin. We read in the scriptures that the wages of sin is what? Right, the wages of sin is death. And what I want us to see this morning is the wages of our sin. The wages of my sin was Jesus' death. See, the wages of sin is death. And what we see in this passage, we see the doctrine of the resurrection, but we also see just a critical piece of the gospel, right? This doctrine of substitution that Jesus died in my place, right? That's the gospel summed up in just a a very short sentence, right? Jesus in my place. We see the great love of God. We see his justice. We see his mercy, right? He's not merely just righteous and demanding, right? When we see the cross, we see the the character of God. We, We see that he's not just loving and giving, that he's not just righteous and demanding, but he is righteous so much that sacrifice for sin had to be provided, and he is loving so much that he provided it himself. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? In verse 4, he says, and that he was buried. Can I remind you, this wasn't an illusion. Jesus was buried. His, his family, his friends, they mourned his death. He was buried. It wasn't an illusion. There's people that would try to convince us of all kind of crazy things that would deny the resurrection, but it was a literal death, and he rose from the grave, right? He was buried, and he rose the third day. That's what the scripture teaches, right? That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so when we look at the past, we see that the scriptures are evidence, right? We see that they're evidence of the truth of the gospels according to the scriptures, according to 
the scriptures. And so much of this year has been about, as we've walked through the Old Testament, seeing how the Old Testament has been continually pointing to Jesus, right? The, the scriptures predicted his death. We could go to many places, but most scholars believe that Paul was referring to Isaiah 52 and 53, just speaking of the suffering servant, right? And, and we would see that not only did the scriptures predict his death, but they predicted his resurrection, that Jesus uh, pointed uh, to Jonah as this picture, right? That we would see uh, how Jesus had, had given us this, this beautiful, all these scriptures had given us this beautiful foreshadowing of what was going to happen on the cross. The Old Testament sacrificial system, all pointing to Jesus. We see all of these things, the Day of Atonement, all pointing to that perfect, spotless Lamb of God, that substitutionary atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Not only are the scriptures evidence, but we're going to see in this passage that the sightings were evidence. Look at verse 5. The scripture says this, he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Paul's saying, hey, he appeared to all these people. And some of those people, there's eyewitnesses, right, that were still alive, right, in, in the presence of other eyewitnesses. And he says he's appeared to those people. And then he says, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Now, now when it lists James right here, right, the family of Jesus, what we read in the scriptures is that, that during Jesus' time on earth that they didn't understand or believe uh, his claims, right? And, and what we see is that when Jesus appeared to James and he came face to face with the risen Jesus, we see him right in the book of James that he is the bondservant of Jesus Christ. We see him uh, radically changed, right? And he becomes a significant witness for our Lord. Lord. And then Paul says, and last of all, verse 8, he says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Look at this. He, he says, he appeared to me the least of all, right? Look in, in verse 9. And I, and I want to remind you, when we see this, right, Paul became evidence and the saved people, saved people become evidence of the resurrection. Look in in verse 9, he said, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. The apostle Paul, right? A persecutor of Christians. Changed by the grace of God. And he recognized it was only the grace of God. It was only the grace of God that enabled him to be who he was. It was, Paul would say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He said, I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to, be, to abound. He said, but, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He said, the grace of God is with me. When we see the apostles, right, we, we see those that had encountered the risen Christ. They were willing to die for their faith. Many of them were martyred. And, and the historical evidence uh, points to us the reality that all of them were willing to die for their faith. The sightings were evidence. Their lives were evidence. The saved are evidence. Can I remind you this morning, we need the grace of God. We need the gospel. Every single day. When Paul reflected on the grace of God and on the gospel, he served Jesus with abandonment. He, he said, I labored more than all. He said, I recognized who I was. I remember who I was before Christ. And in his grace, he saved me. And in his grace, he changed me. And it motivated me to service. 
See, the gospel is not something simply that we reflect on in the past. It's not something that we say, you know what, when I came to Christ, I heard the gospel, and I've moved on to different things now. I've moved on uh, to deeper things, right? It's not something we just lean on in a moment of difficulty or something that we just stay, say, you know what, I'm thankful for the gospel because I know what's going to happen in the future. The gospel is the very center of a follower of Jesus Christ's life. It is the very thing that reminds us and lets us know that our past is forgiven, that our present is secure, and that our future is certain, right? The message of the cross, right? We need to reflect on the gospel every single day. The message of the gospel says this, Jesus died for me. The message of the cross, sometimes we get the whole Christianity and the whole walking with Christ thing, we, we kind of get in this deal where somehow we're going to do it in our own strength and we think, hey, the message of the cross is that Jesus died for me and now the least that I can do is to live for him. And some of us have tried to do that, and we've said, you know what, we've struggled. We've tried to walk in the strength of our own flesh. We've tried to navigate those things. We've been in this serious spirit and truth, and we said we're to be people that walk in the power of the Spirit of God. The gospel says, listen, you can't and you couldn't, but he did. He didn't save me, right, so I could live for him. He saved me so that he could live through me. So that in the power of his Spirit, I could walk in newness of life. And by the grace of God, not only did the Apostle Paul become evidence, but by the grace of God, we are evidence. By the grace of God, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We, as the body of Christ, as we live lives that have been changed by the gospel, we become evidence of the resurrection to this world. And we labor, right? We say, you know what? It is all the grace of God. And by his grace and, the, and by his glory, right? We reflect on the gospel and we live for the gospel. And by God's grace, the apostle Paul said, my life will not be wasted. By the grace of God, I will live. And it is in his grace that I will stand. It is in his grace that those of us who have been changed by the gospel should deliver what was of first most importance, that we would share the good news of the gospel. And the rest of that chapter gives us this incredible motivation to be people who have been changed by God and who are, who are sharing the good news of the gospel, right? As we read the verses of 1 Corinthians 15, it reminds us, right, that life is short. It reminds us that death is certain, right? One out of one people, right, they die. Unless Jesus returns before our death, we understand that one out of one of us will die. Life is short. Death is certain. But what the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 15 is that the resurrection is reality. And so we remember the past. We reflect on the present. We examine our relationship with God. And we rejoice in the promise because we remember there's coming a day. There's coming a day when all the enemies of God will be defeated. There's coming a day where there will be no more death and there will be no more suffering and there will be no more pain. Go down to verse 51, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This is the new verse for the nursery. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. <laughs> it's a good one. It's for you, Kason. Dad joke today. It's a good dad joke. Kason's been helping with my jokes, so um, he didn't give me that one, so you, I'll take all the credit for it being terrible. But, but here's the thing. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than a blink, at the last trumpet, for the trump of God will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be 
changed. For the perishable, these worn out, weary bodies, right? For the perishable must put on the imperishable and the mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But look at this in verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because the victory has been won, therefore, in light of the reality of the resurrection, in light of the reality that we've been changed by the grace of God and that one day soon Jesus will return and this, this, this mortality will be changed, that we will put on the immortal. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord, right? He says, in light of all that's been accomplished through the cross, in light of all that's been promised, in light of all the evidence that we have seen, Jesus has conquered the grave. Death is defeated. And thanks be to God, we have been given the victory in Christ Jesus. And he says, therefore, church, don't you lay down. He said, you stand up strong for the glory of God. And you stand on the gospel. You share the good news because we live in a world where people don't want to hear that they're sinners. They want to say, listen, I know I've made a mistake. I know I've kind of done some things wrong. No, you are sinners separated from a holy God. And apart from the grace of God and the finished work of the cross, you are on your way to hell without hope for a future, but thanks be to God that because of the cross of Christ, as we reflect and look at what Jesus has done, we look to the cross and we say, you know what? Jesus stretched his arms out. He who knew no sin became sin. He took all of my sin, all of my shame. Jesus in my place on the cross of Christ. Because of that, I will stand For the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that, stand strong, church, steadfast, immovable, always abounding, and share the good news of the gospel, right? The good news of the gospel addresses the bad news of this world. It addresses the brokenness that's all around us. It addresses uh, the the need that every person has for a Savior. It it addresses the very problems that all of our society is plagued with because we have this incredible problem, right? And it's called sin. The Bible says that, that as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and death passed upon all men because all have sinned. But the good news of the gospel says that even while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. We have a world that desperately needs to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world's desperate to see people who live as evidence of the reality of the resurrection. Who have made the gospel first and foremost in their life. Because they've been changed by his grace. Those that would labor harder and more. And they would do it only in the grace of God. Because he is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our very lives. And so here in just a moment we're going to to do what what Jesus has given us, right? He's given us this beautiful, this beautiful gift of communion, right? This beautiful gift of, of the Lord's Supper that we might remember, that we might look back to the finished work of the cross, that we might remember all that Jesus has done in our place. Right? We reflect on the gospel. We look and we remember his body that was broken for us. We remember the blood of Christ that was shed. The scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We remember that Jesus shed his blood on the cross 
in my place. And before we take that communion, like it was a moment that was serious that God wanted us to examine ourselves in those moments, right? And, and to look at our lives. And so not only are we going to remember the past, but we want to reflect on the present. Am I in Christ? I mean, that's the question that I want you to ask today. Am I in Christ? Has there been a time in my life where I've repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus Christ? And am I walking in that relationship today? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? For all of us who answer that question and we say yes. I'm thankful when I look to the cross, I know that Jesus died in my place. And I've looked to the cross and I've believed that it counted for me and I've trusted him as Lord and Savior. I want us to examine our lives. Is the gospel first and foremost in our lives? Is there unconfessed sin that we need to deal with in our lives? Like as we approach the very table of God and we reflect on his grace and his mercy... We're reminded that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's our, it's our desire that we might approach this table, this, this beautiful time that we reflect on the cross, that we might approach it with clean hands, with a pure heart. None of us are worthy. This is not one of those things that we somehow figure out how we could have been good enough. But we come knowing that we are only worthy by the blood of Christ. And we come with pure hearts, confessing our sin. Psalmist said, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Renew me. He said, search me, oh God, and know my heart. That should be our prayer before we approach the table, Lord, because we want to come with clean hands. We want to come with a pure heart. We want to come with gratitude for all that he has done. And so we want to have just a time of reflection, a time that we can talk to the Lord. It might be that you want to come and pray. It might be that you want to come and just thank God for what he's done. It might be that you have a need in your life. Maybe that, that you're here this morning and you know that there's never been a time in your life where you have repented of your sin and surrendered your life to Jesus. And today, you say, today is the day of salvation. Today, I trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you come, we would love to pray with you.